Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome in, everybody, to Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michaels hosting this show from the Santa Monica Studios, and what a start to the 2023 Australian Open. We have a pair of guests on today's show to break down the early round action, starting with Prakash Armitrash, who has a lot to say about Andy Murray's theatrics. Two five-set wins back-to-back, finishing after four in the morning. We talk Murray, Novak Djokovic still in it, still looking good, having the hamstring injury. Nadal's early round exit, the American men's takeover. If Iga is still in that perch position or is the field gaining on her on the women's side, a lot to talk about with Prakash Armitrage. And then Pamela Baldonado returns to the show, the Yahoo Sports betting analyst, as well as a rabid tennis fan. She breaks down the wagering opportunities. Novak Djokovic at the top position, despite the fact that he's got the injury. All these Americans breaking through. Who does she prefer of that mix? As well as Medvedev, Tsitsipas, and all the other contenders on the men's side who can go for the crown. It's Prakash Armitrage and Pamela Maldonado on Tennis Channel Inside In. Let's start the show. All right, now on Tennis Channel Inside In, happy to have him. Very busy man covering the Australian Open for Tennis Channel. Uh, Prakash Armitrage, you, you might see him worldwide. He's in California now while we got him. Prakash, thanks for coming on the show. We are keeping our distance. I know I saw you on the Netflix documentary. I don't you know there's a curse going around, but thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. My pleasure. I mean, I, I don't even know where you want to start. I mean, it, there is so much going on right now. It's bananas. Yeah, this has been, uh, I feel like we say this every year, but this is at least the first two rounds because we're doing this after the second round. It's pretty much complete and, and it's just remarkable stuff. You got to start with Andy Murray, right? I mean, there's, I wasn't going to start with him until this morning when I woke up and the, on the Pacific coast and he was still playing back to back five set wins. He wins the first one up two sets, holds on Matteo Berrettini, his best major win in years. This one, he's down two sets. He's playing the Aussie. It's after three in the morning. Crowd's kind of, you know, supporting their local guy. He has to use the bathroom. All this stuff is happening, and there's Andy Murray still fighting and giving it his all. It, it really is, you know, inspiring movies type stuff, what he's able to accomplish. Well, how about that point at two sets of love, two love for Kalkanakis, break point down. I mean, you're, you're channeling the, the ghost of Jimmy Connors, right? Yeah. Against yeah. Paul Harhus in that point. It was it was remarkable. You know, Andy's always been a guy who, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that he's gotten the fairest rap with the crowds. Yeah. And over the years, he's gotten a lot of grief, you know, because mm-hmm. he's been a temperamental guy. Yeah. But I've, I've kind of loved the fact that he's been free enough to be himself, regardless of what, you know, people think. And now, of course, everyone loves him at this <laughs> stage in his career. But I've always been a huge fan. He's always been a great inspiration for me as to, you know, you can always work harder at whatever you're doing. Because right. he was meticulous in everything that he went into. And even at the end of the match, in his interview after, you know, he he, he had this shade of, I'm really proud of myself. You know, He said, you know, mm-hmm. I, I got a big heart. But at the same time, he didn't go completely emotional. You know, he, he yeah. had that little element of, there's still another match. Let's yeah. go. Which, which I love. Yeah. Which I love to see. Well, I say inspirational is because he doesn't give any excuses for himself. And there's a lot of that, not just in sport, but, oh, we can always make excuses for ourselves. But this guy has the metal hip, which everyone talks about. He's got a Hall of Fame career. I saw Riley Opelka actually tweet out he think he's the fourth best player ever. That was what his take is. He's like, hey, loves Andy Murray. And, you know, he's in the era that he's in. But my point being, like, you could walk away if you're Murray. You have all these things going against you. And he's like, no, I want to compete. I want to get better in. You know, he loves it. For as demonstrative as he can be sometimes, he just loves being in the fight. And that's why Andy Murray match is like an experience. And you just can't count the guy out. I know it's RBA next round, and he's super fit. And But Andy Murray, as long as he's playing, we're going to be interested. It's going to be just a remarkable experience. We're certainly going to be interested. And I, I think we owe it to them. When I say them, I mean, you know, the greats who've been yeah. able to play the game to play and end on their own terms. Mm-hmm. Look, let's not forget when they all started, it was because they loved the game. 
It's not yeah. because someone said, hey, listen, you play this for 15, 20 years, you're going to win 20 grand slams, five grand slams, whatever it is. He truly loves it. Yeah. And whether he's losing in the third round, whether he's doing whatever, he loves that competition. He, he As he said in that opening round, I love playing in front of these stadiums and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I say, listen, give him all the love possible. And deep down, I know we're not supposed to have our favorites. <laughs> he's one of mine. I'm hoping he goes deep. You know? <laughs> yeah. And he's in a great section to do that. Uh, speaking of loving the game and the process and what goes into being a tennis player. I wanted to transition to Rafa because he loses in the second round to Mackie McDonald. The injury flares up. It's a, it's a new injury. He's put the statement out. He's going to be out six to eight weeks at minimum. Unfortunate, you know, to see anybody hampered by injury, let alone somebody in Nadal's case, defending champion. And we're on borrowed. We're, you know, we're on the, how much more time are we going to see him watch? Unfortunately, but he said the same thing that sticks out is that he just loves what he does. And I look at Nadal and I look at, you know, all the, the ailments that he's had. I think that match was really tough to see as a visual, as a, as a viewer, to watch Nadal struggle out there. Well, again, giving props to Mackie McDonald. But you got to just rectify that these guys aren't going to last forever. And we have to appreciate seeing Rafa when we can get him. Yeah, we, we, we certainly do. Uh, I talked about this on, on TC Live at the Australian Open. When you look at the greats, you look at the Muhammad Ali, Tiger Woods, uh, Serena Williams, uh, Rafa Nadal, all the different sports mm -hmm. for that matter. When you get to that latter stage in your career when no one thinks you can do it, you, all, you always got that one little rabbit mm -hmm. in the hat that you can yeah. pull out. The big question is, did Rafa do that last mm -hmm. year? Ha have we mm -hmm. already seen it? Yeah. And the other aspect is... You know, habits as individuals, as humans, I'm not talking about just in sport, it, they're hard to break. And right. the longer you've been able to do them, the harder they are to break. Yeah. And there are good habits and bad habits. Champions have champion habits. He's believed in himself for so long. He's believed, I can do the impossible for so long. How do you just, how do you throw that away? Right. You know, but now I think it becomes the balance act of family and what it takes to actually recover do you want to make that sacrifice at yeah. this stage in your career? Because you're going to have to give up so many other things. With absolutely nothing to prove as well. He fought to the very end, which is the, the greatest part about that. And I do want to give props to Mackey. It was a huge win for him. And he had been battling the last couple of years to get right and to break through. I get, well, let's just talk about it right now. The Americans just kind of taking over now. the draw. Come eight, on now. Eight into the third round. And it's important to note, this is without the mainstay in John Isner without Taylor Fritz who got bounced last night, still eight Americans and Brandon Holt, another one that had a chance there, eight Americans in the round of, you know, 32. It's just insane. Like this is just a, a testament to USTA and also kind of the, the guys that I say it a lot of times, the rising tide lifts all boats. The fact that there have been this, these American pace cars like Isner, like Fritz, Tiafo, now the next gen is really coming in the in the stars and stripes. Your colleagues doing it is is a funny thing. It, mm -hmm. it, it's so good for you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can be a little healthy competition. And sometimes it's not very healthy where you see the relationships crumble a little bit. I think with this group of Americans, <laughs> it's so healthy. You know, even when you saw the team from the United Cup with Jesse and Maddie and Francis and Taylor, you know, they, they were all putting up the lock sign, signing on yeah. the autograph lands afterward. They have a group chat going. I love that kind of energy. When you want someone else to win and, and yeah. they want you to win, it, it really helps you feel like you're playing for something more than just yourself. Yeah. So I think that's been really healthy. And then you got the lesser talked about group. I mean, you got, <laughs> you know, you got Tommy Paul, you got Jensen Brooksby and so forth, all playing mm -hmm. so well. Then you got the youngest set. You got, you know, Brandon Holt. You got Ben Shelton. It's, it's an exciting time. And also just, just as, a, as a microcosm of what's happening on the men's tour, Rafa's older. He's not mm -hmm. gonna, you know, we'd be lucky to see him again. I think at the Australian Open next year. Yeah. Novak, sure, still being Novak, right. but it's it's wide open right now. Someone can get hot like they yeah. used to do in the '90s, oh. and all of a sudden come <laughs> yeah. out with a Roberto Carretero <laughs> winning in Hamburg, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. Two points I wanted to make to that, and I agree completely. One being, for as great as the big three are and what they've done, and how you can just write them in, I think what's gone overlooked is that middle tier. I should say the next greatest players there is like the Ferreras, the Songas, Monfils, they were consistently getting into fourth rounds, quarterfinals, and semis. So with that not being there, it is opening up in that level on the men's tour. I love the depth of the men's game in America, and I love how everyone's different. Like, the styles aren't the same. Styles. You have a Brooksby, you have a Tommy Paul, you have you know, Ben Shelton. Yeah. Personalities are different. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, look at those three you mentioned. You know, yeah. Ben, Tommy, Jensen, those are about as three different personalities <laughs> that you can common, get. Yeah. And, and and I love that. Mm -hmm. Because look, I mean, 
all across the yeah. world. We have all sorts of different personalities. I love the fact when people are themselves, mm. then you have different yeah. fans gravitating towards different favorites. Beautiful thing for the game. Jensen Brooksby beating Casper Ruud. Oof. The best win by far of his career. And what I loved about that match, Brooksby's 2022 wasn't on par with his 2021. Tactically, the kid's just rock solid. I feel like he got better with his serve. It's still, you know, not upper tier, but it's it's raised its level. And he is just a complete gamer and one of the better defenders that I've seen. He battled through elements. He battled the heat. He battled the top player. He battled the emotional letdown of losing a match point. Just not much bad you could say about where Jensen Brooksby's come. Mentally, the kid's about as strong as it gets. You know, I, I think that's why he's able to make up for a few holes yeah. in his game. I mean, I saw a few first serves there get 176 kilometers mm -hmm. an hour. I mean, on the men's tour, you know, you need to be getting it over 200 to be getting yeah. some free points. But regardless of that, the way he, he covers up weaknesses and amplifies his strengths and it's exceptional. You know, uh, up top between the ears, he's he's about as good as they come out there. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun to see. We mentioned Ben Shelton coming along, Paul Tiafo still in the mix. Wide open land of opportunity, not just the men. And for the non-Americans, too. The Popperin win over Fritz was huge. One of the better post-game in tears, basically, talking about what it's all about. There's opportunities galore. It goes back to Novak Djokovic, though, at the top. We know where he is standing-wise and... I think the only question is, is health is, is can that hamstring hold up for the long haul? Can he play his way into, you know, better health, which sounds crazy to see, but we have seen it before. Do you have any concern with where Djokovic is at right now? Hard for me to say un yeah. un unless I know what his hamstring is feeling mm -hmm. like. For me, it's Djokovic's title. Yeah. He's got the hamstring as his, uh, his health yeah. as his number one enemy. Mm -hmm. And then he's got the rest of the field. You know, I think his section of the draw you got to be looking at favoring him right now, right? I mean, Fritz was the big guy in his section. On numbers-wise, Fritz was Fritz was the third favorite yeah. at this at this thing. So with him out, you know, Popperin in there, Ben Shelton in there, Djokovic has got to be feeling pretty good about moving into maybe the quarters of semis without you know too many nicks on his on his back. Best of five favors this guy physically and mentally like nothing else. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Prakash Armitrage here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Just want to get your thoughts before I let you go on the women's side of things. We know Iga's in pole position. She's the pace car, still going strong. It it's, seems pretty clear as day to me, at least, and I want your take on this. But Jessica Bagula seems like she is the, the next up in the mix right now. We'll see when the competition raises, but... Do you think maybe Coco, Garcia still in the mix? Is there a, a slew of contenders, or do you think someone separated themselves? I think you got to look at them in sections, mm -hmm. and Iga's in, in section one and two, you know, <laughs> yeah. by, by herself. And look, just for the record, I did I did pick Ons. For some reason, I thought Iga, something was yeah. going to happen in the course of seven matches. She has looked exceptional mm -hmm. so far, but you never know with, yeah. these, with these grand slams. So even though she was maybe a 75, 80% favorite, as I put it at the beginning of the tournament, yeah. I just had kind of a gut feeling something was going to happen. I thought Ons was really going to pick it up after yeah. that first round, really didn't play well. But she just wasn't able to find her game. Yeah, um, Von, Von, Von Drasova is very tough. Sure, been to the final of a Grand Slam, but Ons just wasn't the Ons we saw in the last couple of Grand Slams, which right. was, which was unfortunate. Having said that, the next category right under Iga, it, it's really Jesse and Sabalenka for me. I mean, they both okay. been, they both been playing fantastic tennis. Sabalenka seems to have calmed down those woes on the serve, won that title leading up to Australia. Yeah. First couple rounds, she's looked very clean. Right. I love the way Coco's playing. I, I made it very clear. I think she's going to put up a slam very soon. Uh, not sure which slam it's going to be, but she's in that section that Iga's in. Mm. And I would have loved it if she was in the opposite half, right, right. let Iga deal with a few more players before yeah. getting to her. She just doesn't have a great record against Iga. It's a tough match. But, but again, she's so young. She's yeah. improving leaps and bounds every every yeah. few months. She had a tremendous offseason, too, incorporating a lot of drop shots and coming in, which I think is a huge key yeah. to beating Iga. So you definitely got to put Coco in the mix with Jesse and uh, Arena. We know styles make fights. We also know that in this tournament, and I do think that Coco-Emma match was great, in this tournament there have been multiple women that have won and have saved a match point along the way. So just got to get through, just got to keep it going. 
I, I wanted to just throw Garcia in there because she won the tour finals. hundred percent. And, and by the way, yeah. just for the record, out of all the players to watch, yeah. uh, I got to throw BB when she's playing at her best, like mm-hmm. she did in 2019. Mm-hmm. Along with that tennis, which we haven't seen in some right. time, Garcia's got to be my favorite to watch because Oof. she brings that 90s style out. <laughs> in is. Cincinnati, she, approximately 20% of returns was the amount she played behind the baseline. Everything else was inside Fearless. the baseline. You got to love that. Yeah. And that's my, I love watching yeah. that kind of yeah. tennis. You know, so exciting, quick, fast points, shot making. So I'm a huge fan, but again, higher risk. Can you keep it up for the 14 days? She went from like 70 to four in the world, but you watch her tennis, I agree. There's nothing fluky about it, how she plays out there. No, and she's she's very committed. Yeah. When you play that game style, you have to execute. Yeah. You know, when you're having a bad, even when Rafa's had bad days, he can go into into push mode. Right. You know, right, he can right. like I'm gonna run all day and I'm gonna beat you when I'm not playing my best. I don't know that Garcia has that, so she just has to be more on a lot of the time. I think Iga and with Ons with the issues, I think physically was kind of an issue there too. If Iga's kind of like holding the water in the dam, right? If she goes down, then I think it completely opens up. And I mentioned it right. with Sabalenka. I agree. If the serves keep keep up, she has the weapons to beat anybody. So, she said her 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 tiger is is calmer. <laughs> it's a tiger, year. not a wolf. I remember. It, I want to clarify. Yeah, it's, that. Yeah. it's absolutely a tiger. Yeah. But it's calmer this year. So, what should we expect going forward? I'll, I'll, we can end with this. What do you expect? I guess more uh, American uprising because this is, could be a life changing slam for a bunch of people. I think it, it already is. Yeah. And look at this. Tommy is playing Jensen now. One of them's going to be in the fourth round. <laughs> You know, and once you get to that fourth round stage, you're playing well enough to really be beating anyone. You know, if you take Novak out of the mix, honestly, anyone can lose to anyone. Right. Medvedev has looked really strong too. Let me let me also say that. But other than that, I think we're going to see some surprise quarterfinalists. Yes. You know, some surprise semifinalists. I'd love to see you know a, a name that has has hasn't even been in the mix perhaps come out and have a shot at this title, right. you know, in the final. Francis kind of inherits Nadal's section. That could be huge for him. I also think that... Tough match coming tough up. Tough match Hatching coming up. up. Yeah. Yes, very tough. Hatching off's a fighter. We yeah. know that. The Americans are great, and I, we could get another round of Tsitsipas Medvedev for a spot in a final, and that could be... I mean, Sitsi beat him. He started to kind of maybe have a little bit of success as opposed to no success. So the storylines are plenty. Regardless of what happens, it's going to be nuts. And I know... You know, you're locked in, too. We saw a TC Live. You're also Come locked Come on, in. man. I haven't found the key yet, but, you know, I think we got a little momentum here as well we with our team. You know? We do. We definitely do. Prakash Armitage, catch him on TC Live, all Australian Open. Thanks for coming on Tennis Channel Insight In. We'll have to do this again soon. My pleasure. Let, let's do it again soon. It's a long Australian Open. <laughs> Absolutely. Huge thanks to Prakash Armitage, one of the busiest, hardest working members of not just tennis media, but of all media. And make sure you check out Tennis Channel Live's pregame show before all the Aussie action kicks off, which he is a main focus and main feature of. Now we're going to talk about sports betting with Pamela Maldonado. She's got her ears locked into tennis all times of year, but especially in Australia. She's going to break down the men's side and what we should look for going forward with Novak Djokovic, Andy Murray, Nadal being out. We kind of comment on what we think his future might look like and uh, some thoughts on these Americans that are taking over the game, taking over down under. It's Pamela Maldonado here now on Tennis Channel Inside. All right, everybody, welcome to Tennis Channel Inside In, Australian Open season. I'm delighted here, Mitch Michaels in the Santa Monica studios to be talking tennis with my next guest, a regular on the show, especially this time of year, from Yahoo Sports, betting analyst, expert, and all-around tennis fiend like myself, Pamela Maldonado. Mm-hmm. Pam, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, and, and I was a little worried when we set this time up, 10.30 on the West Coast, that there would still be live tennis in Australia, as crazy <laughs> as that is, but thanks for coming back on Inside In. Yeah, thanks for having me. It is the best time of year when we have, I love football, but it's starting to die down a little bit, which means there is so much room for tennis, which happens every week from here on out. So I'm so excited. Yeah, I think your combination of tennis and football, you basically have it to where you don't have to worry about the letdown when football ends. You just dive right into tennis and right into Aussie, mm-hmm. which you've long said has been your favorite tournament. And it's, I think, been strengthened in the last couple of last couple of uh, years especially this one, mm-hmm. which we'll get to in a second. But you just love the madness, the chaos. And I think seeing people start of the year when we don't know what to really expect outside of the very select few brings the excitement to the sport. Absolutely. I'll agree with that. Um, I wouldn't say that it brings chaos. It brings more <laughs> intrigue, if, yeah. if anything, because 
there's not really, I think that's what people kind of forget about tennis is there's no off season. You have football. Once it ends, you don't see it for another like six months. NBA, every other sport on the planet has a legitimate off season, even the PGA. You don't get that from tennis. There's like a one month turnaround and it's really up to the, the individual player if they actually want to utilize that time or somebody like Casper Rude who utilized his off season to play exhibition matches. So he hasn't had time mm. off and now he's talking about maybe doing February as his off time. So mm. it's just one of those things where for the most part, a lot of the players come into this fresh because we haven't really seen them since, since Paris, whatever the tournament was that they last played. So it should be more true to form. This tournament has been kind of wonky. Mm. <laughs> We're starting to see like a shift in changes here. And I think it's because of the conditions. We had rain delays. We had heat delays. We had um, the balls are different, as Novak Djokovic has pointed out. So it's just there's a lot more variables this time around that I feel like we haven't maybe seen in the past, which has made this specific tournament, 2023 version of Australian Open, a little bit more on the wild side. I want to, and I agree with most of that, I want to just also add that we were spoiled by so long, and I know Djokovic is still out there as a prohibitive favorite, which we will get to, but we were spoiled for so long about the top guys advancing deep into these tournaments. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, they were just locks, and you could even go a little further down the, the depths, the guys like the David Ferrer's, the Joe Wilford song, as Monfils, that you could count to win a couple matches every time. I think we kind of took that for granted, and we're seeing now that it's not all, just because you have a seed and number next to your name, there is no lock. And well, some of these sections have just been completely blown up. Maybe not chaos, but just mm-hmm. showing the depth of the game. And as you said, how important good preparation and good health is going into mm-hmm. a five set slam in the most brutal conditions. Well, you're exactly right in that for the last few years, we have been spoiled. And mm-hmm. I will say that until. Yeah. We no longer have that as an option once Djokovic retires, once Nadal retires. But what we're happening, what we're seeing right now is what happened in 2022 with Carlos Alcaraz just absolutely went off. Mm-hmm. But it took Alcaraz to show other players how to be a better tennis player by adding more variety into their game, bringing in more weapons and translating that onto the court. We are starting to see that. Well, well people are now coming into the net more. Medvedev is coming into yeah. the net. This is not something that he does, but we're seeing that across the board because their players have noticed, okay, if I want to get better, if mm-hmm. I want to be somebody at the top, Djokovic is still hanging around. Yeah. I need to improve my game. So what we're seeing from Djokovic is still him, but then the rest of the field is starting to climb up yeah. to his level. And now the rest of the field is an even playing field. So it's just been a lot more uh, competitiveness instead of so top heavy. Alcra is also showing, I would argue, the price you kind of have to pay. And and he yeah. he didn't get away scot-free, too, with the injury. Unfortunately, we're not seeing him here. He's understandably taking the long approach to his game, but it is tough yeah. to have anything close to the year he had, but also to stack them up and, and be fresh each time. So it's, you know, we want to see him back here. Unfortunately, he's not playing no curios mm-hmm. in this tournament. Some names missing, but the drama has just been been amazing. Uh, I was going to start up until this morning with Djokovic, but I got to talk about Andy Murray first because what yes, he's done in the last, <laughs> it's, you know, the, the win against Berrettini, his biggest win in a major in a long time up from two sets. Then he follows that up down two sets and he comes back up till four in the morning against the Nasi Kanakis. And, you know, the, the competitive spirit and everything that he has that we've known about him for so long, but the fact that he's able to, still be so fit and I'm talking to someone whose life is fitness but <laughs> that's the part that gets kind of swept under the rug is that regardless of the ailments the conditions this guy shows up at every major in tip-top shape and there's a reason why he's able to go the distance even with his ailments and I think that you know I don't want that to go under the rug the fact that Murray takes such good care of his body and knows what it's like to answer the bell regardless of the circumstances. Well, let's talk about that because he is 35 years old. He's one of the older players on tour who is still crushing. He's still trying to find his way back from his injury, which he has a like metal inside his hip. Mm-hmm. And he is still being able to able to be competitive. Like back to back five set matches. This was the second longest match in Australian Open history. It was five hours and 45 minutes. For a 35-year-old with metal in his hip. Like, let's take a moment to appreciate that because 
that is super hard to do in any sport, much less in an even more so in an individual sport as tennis, where it's just you and one other person. And you have to not only hype yourself up, you have to be your own hype man. You have to have be your own trainer because you can't really call for a personal trainer like, oh, I'm feeling a little tired. Come feed me. You have to handle so many variables on your own. At 3 a.m., there was no bathroom break that Mary was complaining about. So you're for five hours and 45 minutes, it is just you and your opponent and you have to do everything in your brain to combat all of the elements, including the crowd. So yeah, super kudos to Andy Murray. It was a fantastic match. I can't wait to watch him to continue watching. Well, you know, there's a reason why if you look back at his history, I don't know if it's a publicly known story, but he used to train and when he was living in Miami with the Miami Hurricanes uh, Athletic Training uh, Center with the football players and all the athletes playing, he did some damage in the weight room. Like for his weight class, he, I think he still does have his name on the board for some of the, the weight Thanks. lifting that he's done. Uh, and, and the fact that is the section of his draw, and this is where we can kind of transition to the betting, it's been completely blown up, a lot of seeds out there. Mm-hmm. The only one left is Roberto Batista Gut, who's now the favorite in that section, and probably enough. That's who Murray gets next, but... This is a real opportunity for him, and this is a real opportunity for people that like certain players, know what they're doing, see the trends, Pam, to really attack this mm-hmm. section and see some value, which we haven't really had in a lot of these Grand Slams in men's uh, tennis. I'm not really one to um, – I like underdogs, especially okay. when it comes to, like, football. I like looking yeah. at underdogs. Andy Murray will be the underdog in this position. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so, and I'm not sure that I can back him. There's two parts of me when it comes to tennis – the sports better that's looking for value. And then the fan, I want to be a fan of Andy Murray and I hope that he gets through Roberto Batista Agut, but there's a big question mark looming and going forward. And it's whether Andy Murray, who has now played back-to-back five set matches is going to have the stamina after 10 sets. I mean, we're talking about the second longest match in Australian open history versus Kalkanakis five hours, 45 minutes. And that's because Murray was also down in the third set two five, and he made this miraculous comeback. Yeah. So the longest yeah. match prior was five hours fifty three minutes with Nadal and Djokovic. Um, they're even them as young as they were, it still yeah. took a toll on their body in the next match. After this is Andy Murray, who's thirty five years old. Does he have the legs for it? Is my question mark. The guy he's playing, Roberto Batista, who came back from five down, kind of ran away with it, is is very fit. So that that's part of the issue, too, is he's not playing mm-hmm. somebody who's, you know, afraid exactly. of these moments. RBA's <laughs> style of play, he is a backboard. So you know that the ball is coming back. So is Andy Murray, in? is he mentally ready? And more importantly, is he physically ready for a potential another five-setter? Because that's what you're going to get with RBA. Somebody who just will always return the ball, expect long rallies. I'm really interested, and I hope he gets it done. But I, it could just be in just another potential fanship I know. viewership. Well, regardless of what happens, he's done tremendous, winning back-to-back five-set matches. Berrettini and uh, Kakanakis back-to-back. I think the key to this, the key to the betting strategy, if I have this right, is just don't bet on anyone that's been on Netflix. <laughs> so far it seems to be the case there's only two left and, uh, and we're in the third round you know that's crazy but what's so funny about that is i um i was talking to somebody about this and i had just finished the first two episodes and i was like and i saw the tweets about the netflix the curse <laughs> the, the documentary curse and i was like we'll see if it's really if it is real if kakanakis goes down <laughs> and i mean yep <laughs> well, there's two people left, and they each had struggles. Uh, Maria Sacri Maria and Felix Sojel, you seem are the last ones left of the first five uh, shows. So remarkable there. Uh, crazy stuff. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pamela Maldonado here on Tennis Channel Inside, and let's talk about Novak Djokovic, who won in four sets last night. And uh, I wouldn't say routine, just in the sense that the fitness is never going to be doubted, but the injury, whenever he's open about it, will be, you know, scrutinized. And he says he has issue. You could see the mobility. He wasn't hitting a lot of open stance backhands. Now, the beauty of his game is that he has different ways to beat you, and 
can beat most yes. of the players on tour in multiple ways. But I'll ask you as someone that's followed his career with admiration and, and with wagering interests as well, what kind of level of concern do you have? Not next match, maybe not even the match after that, but going the distance with how he's looked and how he's admittedly addressed his injury concerns. I had the concern for Novak Djokovic injury headed into the tournament. Normally, if I am high on Djokovic in years past, I have put anywhere between five to 10 X units on him to win his, to win that tournament. This tournament, I did just two mm. because it was, it is a concern of your, this is a major it's two weeks of tennis. You saw how his injury did come into play against Medvedev. Medvedev even made fun of him. <laughs> and so, and his draw, although it is barely friendly, there is one player that gives me pause and it's a potential quarterfinal match against Holger Runa. So I am, who is much younger, much faster, mm-hmm. and was the one player who took Djokovic out of his winning streak to defeat him in Paris. So because of that, yeah, it gave me pause. I needed to see, okay, is there any, let me see how he looks in the first couple of matches. Him dropping a set in his second round match doesn't give me a concern because that's kind of his MO. We've seen it where he kind of starts out a little bit slow. It was a tie break. So it's not like it was um, anything of a shocker. And then he went on to win the next two sets, six, two, six, zero. So I'm not worried about the physicality of Djokovic. And if there was anybody, if there was any single player on tour who knows how to take care of his body as well as sharp is knowledgeable, knows exactly the reg- the regimen that he needs in order to push through. It's Djokovic. He th- that's what he's known for. I mean, this is why you see him all angles of the court because he devotes hours and hours and hours into maintaining a specified fitness in order to get these get through these best of two, best of five matches. Do you find him? I mean, he's a unicorn in a lot of ways, but I find it very, I'd say, fa- equal parts fascinating and uh, inspiring that this guy. Unlike most athletes, I worry more about the injury in like the very next match. I find that if he can just survive and play a plan B, plan C that doesn't put the tension on there, he'll play himself into better shape as these tournaments go along. Two Australian Opens ago, his last title, he had that, you know, I would say legendary. He had that issue in the match versus Fritz where he was breaking down. He talked about his body. Mm-hmm. By the end of that tournament, he looked fit as a fiddle. So I do think that, you know, the draw being a little favorable early is going to be a gift to him. Not that he needs any more mm-hmm. gifts, but the fact that he can kind of play his way maybe back into form. Because I agree, Holger Rune is the test. Like, quarterfinal match, mm-hmm. that's the test. It is best of five, though. And I know that match for his par- in yeah. Paris was great. We all, I mean, pretty much everybody, the way that match was going, the way Holger's body was going, if it goes one or two more sets, it probably wouldn't go his way. So if he can get, if Djokovic can get to the quarterfinal in 80 to 90% range, I think he'll be okay, but... Yeah, that's going to be the thing. It's going to be Djokovic, as he said, trusting God and trusting his physio. It does appear that the sportsbook, maybe they have some information that the rest of us don't because pre-tournament Djokovic was minus 125 to win, and now he is plus 125. I saw that. I'm not at all, <laughs> I'm not at all concerned that his next matchup against Grigor Dimitrov, I'm not worried about that one. He holds a, Djokovic holds a 9-1 to record. The last win for Dimi was in Madrid on clay back in 2013. So for me, yes, the concern has always been yeah getting through Holger Runa, but he's playing well right now yeah. also. But the problem is that, like like you mentioned, this is a best of five. Right. So I need to see if the type of aggression that Runa had in that best of three, it is very difficult to maintain in a best of five. This is why we see somebody like Andy Murray down two sets to love able to come back because yeah. it becomes so much more of a mental game. And we haven't seen that from somebody who's 19 years old mm-hmm. have to be tested in such a fashion against the number one player. Like there's a reason why they're the big three Nadal and Djokovic, because if they're down two sets to love, you can guarantee that this is still going to be a five set, maybe yeah. even a five set tie break. Where's your mentality in that? Are you going to hold your aggression? The type yeah. of shots that you're making in the first two sets early on, is that going to be able to continue in a best of five? So there's a lot of question marks anxious i'm really anxious <laughs> to get forward to that match even even uh nadal when he's you know on his last legs literally and figuratively is still fighting for the very <laughs> end so there's the mentality for you uh one other note and i agree i mean holger rune just becoming you know doing the outgrass model getting fit getting stronger mm-hmm. lot to like very special talent former junior number one i think djokovic the fourth round if he gets demonar who's playing better and is the type of player that can you know make you run a little bit that could be a test. I want to see what his level would be like in that match going into it. But yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe the, 
maybe there is some value if you want to take over some of these spreads, some of these sets. I mean, you can probably get value for players to take a set off Djokovic. And like we saw last night, maybe there's value for him in just, you know, resetting, not really trying to fight all the way. And it's not tanking, but it's conserving energy more than anything. Conserving energy, yes. And this is how I describe This is a really good um, indication of how you can perceive tennis coming into every single match. Somebody like Nadal, somebody mm-hmm. like Djokovic, they almost always start at a level one or two. They want to see how much, how little can I do and still get through? Okay, this guy is playing a little bit better than I expected. Let me up it up. I'm notch. Yeah. And then, okay, okay, this is really close. <laughs> Let me just like take it straight to level five. There's not a lot of players on tour. Let's be real. There's two players on tour, Nadal and Djokovic, who have these levels that they can up that the rest of the field yeah. cannot. Yeah. So and they it, always yeah. start lower, the, lower to preserve, up it when they need to. It's why we always say when we play, when people play these guys, you have to win the first set or you have zero chance. Like you have to mm-hmm. get up to an early start. I think Stan's the only guy to ever really beat Djokovic and it happened twice while yeah. losing the first set in these best of five. So remarkable there uh we'll see i mean this is going to be fascinating to watch other areas too i mean i'm looking at it because nadal obviously out and you know we, we have to have a final we have to have people to make a run daniel medvedev is playing better he seems to have gotten some confidence back you mentioned earlier he's coming to the net a little bit more and i think he does love playing down in australia as bad as last year's final went for him i saw minus 165 to kind of get through his section and you know, looking at the odds on favor to get to the final in that section of the draw. Do you see it that way? Do you see maybe more value in backing the underdogs? Where are you at with Medvedev's, Medvedev's level heading into the stretch run here? For Medvedev to win the Australian Open, still not interested because you still have to get their Novak Djokovic. And even with an injury, mm-hmm. like I said, he's going to figure it out. Okay. I am interested to see how Medvedev is going to handle his ma- next match against Sebastian Corda. I do still strongly believe that Medvedev is going to win and likely in four even, yeah. but I'm interested because Korda has the style of play where he can employ his net game. And there's nothing that Medvedev hates yeah. more than having to run into the net. I like it. He you're, likes you're, to stay behind the baseline. You're coming around on Korda a little bit. I like that. That's good. Well, <laughs> in this matchup, it is yeah. very matchup specific. Yeah. Yeah. So Korda needs to bring that same tactic in order to throw Medvedev off. Uh-huh. If he can, if he comes into the net and drop shots and slices and brings him brings Medvedev forward, yes, he has a shot here. But if Korda gets comfortable behind the baseline because that's and he plays a Medvedev game, Medvedev is just going to eat him up. Yeah. So it's just a, it's just very important uh, to see what Korda is doing more so than it is Medvedev. Mm-hmm. And if Medvedev gets through, yeah, he's playing some good tennis right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still like Djokovic. Well, I am. I'm not going to debate you on that. I'm just looking at it from the somebody has to make this final, and I think yeah. even even given the ghosts in his past, I might trust him the most. But that's what's beautiful well, about where we are right now is the depth of this game is that Medvedev could lose next match. He could make it all the way to the final. Well, the player that I like, if we're talking about who's going to make the final to face Djokovic, mm-hmm. potentially, I'm, I've am i been high on Stefano Tsitsipas, and Ooh. it p- kind of pains me to say that <laughs> because yeah. he has been such a hothead of a player over the last couple of seasons where you see him and you know that he is right there. He has the skill set. He has, for at least three, four sets, has the mindset to yeah. win a major, and then he just breaks down, and then he just can't push through. Here... I do think that he has the potential to not only make the final, but even come out with a win. Wow. So there was two features that I took pre and it was Djokovic to win. And then I took uh Sitsipas at 14 to one. And yes, Djokovic is 10 and two over Stefanos, but Stefanos is so close. He had mm-hmm. five sets at 2020 Roland Garros, five sets at the 2021 Roland Garros. Those are slower conditions, but I think the, the, Conditions right now in Australian Open kind of favor Sitsipas. Yeah. Uh, Novak Djokovic talked about how the ball themselves are don't have as high of a bounce. It's going to favor a lot of well, a lot of the flat hitters, yeah. and it favors some of the, like the clay quarters who can handle long rallies. That's exactly Sitsipas's game. Mm-hmm. So I think the slow court. Yeah, you can say that was clay. This is Australian Open. This is hard, but the conditions are kind of a lot more similar than probably what you yeah. would think. Sitsipas is all, he's almost there. Sitsipas is so <laughs> almost there. And I love how he came out of the gate with the straight set went straight set victory. We saw him last year in previous majors where he had a five set against no, but no name players. He's yeah. coming into this with some confidence. He's coming into this with some strength. He's getting close. Yeah. The part about the balls is very accurate. Djokovic has said it's harder to put balls away 
people start hitting yeah. harder. They might overhit. Sitsipas never really yeah. been susceptible to that. I'm I'm on record. I mean, he's a Greek guy like myself. He loves his. He he, he has a great <laughs> game. He is very very versatile, which I think a lot of the younger players lack at times. Um, it's between the ears, and he seems to be doing and saying all the right things. And the draw is pretty favorable mm-hmm. to him. He could get exactly. center. He could get center, who he's done very well against. Medvedev would yep. be the match. And up until last year, Medvedev had kind of owned him. Maybe Sitsipas has turned it around. That would be a fun one. He's done very well in Australia. It has been far and away his hard court, you know, haven where he enjoys playing, and that might speak to the work he puts in in the offseason, as we said. So that's that's a sneaky one I like because it's – we were talking about this. He's the number three seed, and everyone's like, wow, it'd be crazy. I mean, he's playing for number one in the world, too. I mean, I know Djokovic is a primitive favorite, but Tsitsipas could leave Australia as a Grand Slam champion in number one. And I do think that Tsitsipas has the variety in his game that can defeat Medvedev in this position. Um, like I said, I need to see more from Medvedev. I believe his game has just been figured out over the last couple of seasons. This is why he had such a rocky 2022. And unless he adapts, yeah, you die. I mean, it's adapted, and so Setsupas is the type of player where maybe the strength, the weakness of his has been the backhand. He's missing that down the line shot, but it's still aggressive enough to where he can be competitive in these best of five tournaments. And so I'm really looking forward mm-hmm. to seeing him. I want to see him thrive, and I think the conditions fit fit him. Before we go to some speed round, just likes or dislikes to wrap this up. Um, I know we got to talk about Rafa. It's unfortunate with what's going on with the, the injury, how his tournament ended. I know the sad there, the, the defending champion out in the second round to Mackie McDonald announced he's going to miss six to eight weeks. And, you know, from the, from the, you know, future looking at it, him as a player, player to wager on, I mean, we're not going to see him at least until, maybe the hard court swing, but it's not looking like it's in the Wells or Miami. It's probably going to be the clay court right. season. So on yeah. one hand, it's good that he is going to, is going to rest, get that off season re up for where he dominates. But 36 years old is a little different than coming back from an injury at 22, 25, 28, even. So where are you at with Rafa and, and the unfortunate father time debate that we have to have of, we don't know how much longer it's going to be. And with the injuries mounting up, there's some real concern now that, it might not be much longer. I am at the point where it's hard to not cry. <laughs> not to want to cry. Okay. I took, um, I ended up buying tickets to see the Carlos Alcaraz versus oh. uh, Nadal exhibition match in early March. Well, now that he's out six to eight weeks, the eighth week is that week that he's supposed to play that exhibition match. And so I'm, I, I'm don't even know if that's going to still happen, but I bought those tickets because I'm just very much in the mm-hmm. belief that 2023 is the season that we see him retire yeah. because a lot happened in 2022. Not only was his injuries a thing and he had the injections in his foot in order mm-hmm. to win Roland Garros. He saw his best friend, Roger Federer retire. He had a baby. Like there's just like a lot of off the court situations that in addition to the injuries that now he has a new injury. Yeah, Like it's not just father time. It's now life is happening around him. And is he in a position to want to continue? So I bought these tickets for the exhibition match, assuming that this might be the, like the last opportunity that I have to see him because I, and then we saw it with the injury that he had in the second round um, here at Australian open. When he, when the injury occurred, they panned over to his wife. I have never seen his wife cry. Mm. And to me, that was very indicative that maybe the retirement talks have already happened yeah, And this is not how him and his family want the career to end. You want to go out on a high note, not because your body's forcing you to. Right. It's a, it's a balance of going out when you, cause he said he still loves the game. He still loves working hard. He loves the process, not just being a tennis player and all the accolades, but he loves the process of working on something and seeing the reward. So mm-hmm. on one hand, I get why on the outside, you'd say, why don't you just go out on top, win a major and then call it quits? Well, he still feels good. He still loves the day-to-day. But the flip side of that is if your body just says, no, this is it, like you physically can't do this anymore, you have to think mm-hmm. about other stuff. Uh, I, I just I want to see him play as long as you know he's able and as long as he's, you know. But as long able. as he's doing it healthy, too, yeah. that when he able got the injections, yeah. 
when he got into the injections for Roland Garros just to get through that tournament, that is not sustainable. That no. is something that is a one and done. Now, how are you going to handle the next two, three years? Can you handle the next two, three years? Because the type of play that it all has is not conducive to longevity yeah. in the sport. So what he's already doing now at his age is already so impressive. He likes the long rallies. Yeah. He likes the five-hour matches. You will see him down two sets and come back in five. Mm -hmm. It is just he likes long points yeah. and it has clearly put wear and tear in his body. He has more miles on court than anybody else on tour. So it's just very difficult for me to see him one ever get a hundred percent back to full health. There's just not enough time left in order to do that. Mm -hmm. I would say like the assume I am not a doctor, but like maybe six months to a year get of no playing to really give your body a chance at a hundred percent recovery. Yeah. And if he's not doing that, you're always just going to be susceptible to re-injuring yeah. something. Well, w what I do know is if he's not dominant on clay, that is going to open up for the first time since pre-Nadal. So I think we're going to have to adjust to who is actually going to be start, who's going to start winning on this surface that we just penciled, not even penciled, permanent marker pen. Could be Carlos, uh, another guy coming off of his injury that I want. It's just such a fascinating time for tennis, the good and the bad. It is. We've got all these players, you know, jockeying for position still. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Pamela Maldonado here on Tennis Channel Insight, and this has been a blast. Before I let you go, just some other quick thoughts on the draw. And, you know, I just want to know what other players you like and maybe dislike. There's a lot of Americans left. Haven't heard you mention any of them. A few kind of have a few that you might think could be. You know, a couple are playing each other, so we have to kind of decipher through that. But mm -hmm. who are some players that, you, that you've that you taken an interest in as they're still around in the men's draw? Big Bo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How are we not talking about Tiago here? I'm really interested in his match against Kachanov. From a betting perspective, it's a pick. So they're saying it's a 50-50 as to who's going to win. I like Tiago in this spot um, because of his return game. He has a solid, solid return game, and Kachanov is – a lot of just a big serve and we've seen Tiafo. he has variety in his game that's why he was able to be so competitive against Rafa Nadal last season because he has the slice he has the drop shot and playing against somebody like Hatchinov who pretty much just has like one weapon to his name he can he can be very competitive and so yeah. I'm really interested in seeing how deep he can run Tiafo had a lot of success in 2022 that I'd like to see him continue on into this season and so far he has a trajectory to do so yeah. so I'm interested in Tiafo. As mentioned, I don't think Korda is going to get past Medvedev. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's a very interesting time for me U.S. men's tennis. Yeah. I'm not at all entirely surprised that Fritz dropped out early just because he doesn't have a successful record here at Australian Open. He had he was 9-6 and six uh -huh. entering, the, entering this tournament. Um, but now with him gone, I just think that he has better opportunities later on into the year, Taylor Fritz. Um, so I would like to see him down in back at Indian Wells. Let's see how yeah. he does there. He has a good chance here at the U.S. Open. Yeah. But for this specific tournament, I'm really interested to see how far Tiafo can go. The Tiafo hatchinoff match, fascinating on all fronts. Tiafo has, Big Fo has the weapons. He can beat him. I think his fitness has gotten better. His ability to stay locked in has gotten better too. Hatchinoff is a fighter. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing mm -hmm. I do respect about him the most is that he doesn't go away, even and he, and he yeah. can beat players better than him with that mindset, which I love. So that's a fun match. Can't wait for that one. Brooksby Paul, exciting Brooksby. contrast of styles there. And you got to throw in Ben Shelton still, you know, coming in. Yeah. First time out of the country, wins in straight sets and wins basically a road game. And I think that's where his college tennis helped him. He had some Chilean fans that were cheering for their guy. And, you know, obviously he mm -hmm. didn't like that. So instead of just, you know, tanking it away, he locked in and, there's there's a lot to like. I don't know what will happen, but I do think with American men's tennis, the rising tide lifts all vo boats, and they saw the years that Fritz and Tiafo had last year, and these guys are saying, well, we got to raise our level, kind of like you said, the Alcaraz effect. We have to but play better. Also, 
You have to play mm-hmm. better, but it's also the conditions that we talked about earlier. Yeah. They're kind of suitable for uh, mm-hmm. U.S. men's tennis because it's a lot of the flat ball hitters. The ball's not bouncing as high, so mm-hmm. it's favoring those who hit the ball flat. So that's why you saw Mackenzie McDonald mm-hmm. do well against Nadal. That's why you yeah. see Brixby beat Casper Rude because Rude has uh, too much of a top topspin, and that doesn't players like Djokovic. That's why he does so well because he's fine hitting the yeah. ball flat. So um, there's still a couple of players here, Cam Nori even, um, it favors mm. his backhand. So there's the conditions are very favorable to that of American tennis, American t- style type of yeah. tennis. So you're seeing them do well. Ben Shelton, I made a mistake of fading him in round two <laughs> with a Nikolai Jari, but it was just because, you know, no, I get he's it. young, first time position. Yeah. Let's see how what you really got. Well, turns out he has a little bit more than I expected. So yeah. I'll probably be laying away from him. But let's go Tiapo because I really think that he also has this, a really good opportunity. If not only he gets to catch enough, but I really think that he can also defeat Medvedev. Mm, that's the Rafa section. So it, it opened up mm-hmm. for him as well. Uh, Pamela yeah. Maldonado, this was a blast. Uh, always fun talking tennis with you. Last thing is, I just want an update. How's the fitness life going? And have you actually been approached by any of these tennis players to kind of give them the leg up? <laughs> I wish. If anybody needs a personal <laughs> trainer, I am here. Um, right now, I'm in my off season, so I'm doing nothing but eating a lot of food and lifting really heavy. So okay. I did a personal best a couple weeks ago. I did a 300-pound deadlift. Mm. I am now part of the 300 club, so that's fun. I did a 55 a couple reps of a 55 pound pull-up. So I'm definitely getting stronger. And in in turn, that's physicality, but like mentally it really helps you with the betting side too, because now it's like, all right, you have belief, you have confidence and that's what you need in order to be successful when it comes to sports betting. It's all impressive stuff. Um, I'm just a little wary of the cold tub stuff. That's where I draw the line. It's just, Uh. it's too too much suffering for one person, but no, it's, it's really impressive. All the stuff that you do. Check Pamela Maldonado out on Yahoo as a betting analyst. Check out her Aussie Open Insights as well, all tournament. Uh, thanks again, Pam, for joining the show. Appreciate having you on Tennis Channel Inside In. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of Tennis Channel Inside In. Thank you to all who listen. Thank you to Prakash Armitrage and Pamela Maldonado for appearing as guests. And you can always go to tennis.com slash podcast to find this episode as well as the entire catalog of shows on our outstanding network. We're on all your podcast platforms. And make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and a rating to keep us going. We'll be back to talk more Australian Open on Tennis Channel Inside In very soon because you never know what happens at the year's first major. For Prakash Armitraj and Pamela Maldonado, my name is Mitch Michaels. And thank you again for listening to Tennis Channel Inside In.